would stand for just a moment. I'm going to begin reading in verse 10, and then I'm going to jump over to verse 17 and read to the end of the chapter this evening so that I kind of tie this together for you. Beginning in verse 10, the Bible says, And, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Look at verse 17 with me. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them, and they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because that his, this people hath transgressed my covenant which I commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that, thou, uh, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. You may be seated. Uh, this morning I shared with you just some messages, uh, a message about another generation, and uh, that's the key verse, verse 10. And there's just something so sad when I read this because Joshua, how he lived for God. Uh, and, and then the people that outlived Joshua, and they followed the Lord. But then there came a time. And in that gap, what happened? And so we see that there was another generation that knew not the Lord. And I asked myself the question as I went through. And by the way, if you read the, the Bible, you find out why they did not know God. <laughs> because as the generations went on, even though they served the Lord, they failed to tell other people that they needed to serve the Lord. They failed to tell the next generation about it. They failed to talk about God. They failed to talk about His Word. They failed to talk to these folks about this. God then puts judges in their place. And God brings these judges, and while the judges were above them, they would be okay for a while, but as soon as that judge died, they went right back to their old ways. I shared with you this morning a verse, uh, a child left to his own bringeth his mother to what? Shame, right? And, and so what happens is, is when we just leave them to themselves, and we have a generation coming up behind us that just thinks, well, uh, my kid's old enough, they can make decisions for themselves. No, they can't. <laughs> we have to help them. And when they're doing dumb, tell them they're doing dumb. When they're doing wrong, tell them they're doing wrong. It's okay to tell your children no. And, and the thing of it is, is we're just at that place where we have another generation. And I ask you tonight, would you, would you look around and just see there's another generation coming up behind us, and the ignorance of God is astounding. The ignorance of Jesus Christ. And folks, uh, my mom used to make a statement all the time, this thing's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> How many of you have ever heard that phrase? And if we don't do something, that's exactly what's happening. Because we have a generation coming up behind us, and that's exactly what's going to happen to them. And they're going to head that way. Well, this morning I talked to you about some things that Israel did. They did evil. They forsook the Lord. They followed other gods. They provoked the Lord to anger. They served Baal and Ashtaroth. And I, and I shared with you 
We have so many people, even in independent fundamental Baptist churches, they're chasing down every wind of doctrine to try to find something. And yet if we would just open our Bibles and read them, amen, and get into the Word of God, it would make a huge difference in your life and in the lives of your family. And stop chasing every wind of doctrine. Believe me, everything you see on uh, the Internet and Google is not true. <laughs> if you look up on Google how to get to heaven, it'll show you seven different ways how to get there. <laughs> and yet the Bible says there's but one way, isn't there? Uh, you know, you look up things all the time and you're chasing down stuff. Now listen, I use it too. When I need to fix that truck of mine, that Ford, there's more on there about Fords than there are Chevys on YouTube, amen? <laughs> and if I want to know how to fix my Ford, I go and I look at it. <laughs> Do you hear it? <laughs> Amen, right? <laughs> and the thing is, is that uh, that's not where we need to get our knowledge of God. Amen. Amen. We need to get our knowledge of God from our Bible. Amen? Amen. Let's go back to reading again. Let's go back to looking. And I've heard people say, well, I read. I don't really comprehend it. Take your time. <laughs> read a verse a day if you have to. I put the audio Bible on my, on my phone now, and I have a verse of the day that it gives me. So beyond this, Chris, I have another verse I have to memorize every day. And uh, once I do and I say it and I memorize it, then it goes off the screen and says, congratulations. So, and, uh, so, but the thing of it is, it's just memorizing Scripture. Thine word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And we have a nation that's sinning against God, folks. We really do. We have a nation of people that are just turning from God in droves. And, and it's sad. And there's foolishness that leads to an undesirable outcome. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. Foolishness that leads to an undesirable outcome. And, and the thing of it is, there's consequences of forsaking the Lord. Uh, in verse 14, look at it with me here. He said, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that position with God, would you? I mean, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he says, here's, the, here's what happened. And he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers and spoiled them and sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. And that's a sad situation to be in that God was so angry with the nation of Israel that they were put in this tough situation. And you say, well, what is the reason God allowed that to happen? Because if you go back to verse 1, he made a covenant with the nation of Israel. And God did not break his covenant with Israel. Israel broke its covenant with God. <laughs> And God has given the local church a commission. Would you agree? Or a commission. And that commission that we have, we have to carry that out. When the church stops carrying out the commission that God has given to us, what do we expect to be the outcome? And so what we find here, he said in verse 15, whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. And the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. I mean, they were in trouble now. Because God's hand had been removed from the situation. And, and, and the enemies and the spoilers were coming in. And God decided that he was going to put Israel to the test because he saw that they were moving away from him. Now, there's consequences of forsaking the Lord. Uh, if you look in the text, he uses this word forsake. And the idea is, is that the people began to divorce God. And, and what they've done is they began to ignore God. If you divorce somebody, you separate from them, don't you? And there's no more, if you will, kind of good relationship. Now, I've seen people divorce and still have an okay relationship, but I've seen people divorce and they are mad at one another. And there's constant anger between them. And what God speaks of here is he's talking about divorcing. So the consequences are the result of a man or woman or a child that abandons or rejects, in this case, divorces God, it will cause the Lord to take action. 
And by the way, you say, well, God won't do that today. We're under grace. We're not under the law anymore. I want you to know that the Bible promised me that I have a God who loves me so much that he'll chasten me even unto death if I don't stay right with him because I belong to him now. And, and you think about it. I don't spank my neighbor's children, but I spanked my children, amen, <laughs> because they belong to me. Why would you not think that if you're a child of God, he's not going to correct you? He will. <laughs> and there are consequences for forsaking the Lord. Now, the action of the Lord is never wrong. Anything that God does is never wrong. God always does the right thing. And it's never wrong. And he says, I will never break my covenant with you. If you go back to verse 1, he says that in the last part of verse 1. He said, I will never break my covenant with you. God did not break his covenant with Israel, but Israel broke its covenant with God. And that's what I was sharing with you about marriage today. We have so many marriages breaking up today because we're involved in contracts rather than covenant relationships. And the thing is, is God desires us to be in a covenant relationship, not a contractual agreement. And what people are doing is they're doing all these prenuptial agreements so that when it doesn't work out, we have everything already separated out. We don't have to deal with that, so it's, we've got the right contract in play. And yet it's a covenant relationship. That's what God desired. He did not, but men broke the covenant of God. The list of consequences seems severe, but nothing compared to eternity in hell, is it? And you look at the consequences that God brought into their lives, it's because God was trying to get their attention again. And what it is, is God sometimes chastens us and tries to bring us back to him. And we, uh, he's got to sometimes allow uh, pressure to enter into our lives so we turn back to him. And that's exactly what he was doing with the nation of Israel. He was allowing that pressure to enter into their lives to turn back to them. And nothing is compared to any eternity in hell apart from the Lord. And his mercy and his grace and his eternal love is there for all of us. And we turn from it. And the result, well, I looked in the scriptures here, it said hot anger. <laughs> I looked that up. That's pretty bad. It's like hell itself. And it has the idea that, that God is so uh, angry with his children because they're turning from him. And he delivered them to the spoilers, to the enemy. And this leads to the hand of the Lord against them. And it created great distress in their lives. How many of you have ever been stressed out? Anybody in here? Just me? Anybody ever been stressed out? My Ford stressed me out again, Chris. It says I got a misfire on number five now. And uh, it stressed me out, man. The thing of it is, is that have you ever just really been stressed out? Now think about these folks. It says this here. And they were greatly distressed. That means they were under a lot of pressure, weren't they? Because the spoiler and the enemy had come in and was just taking over. And it put them in a tough situation. You say, what are the consequences for forsaking the Lord? Well, there you go. Stress enters into our lives. There are things that we decide that we're not going to do, even though we know the scriptures teach that we should do them. I know folks that at times will quit tithing because they think, well, I need to quit tithing so I can pay my truck payment. No, you need to get rid of the truck so you can tithe. Amen? And the thing of it is, is that we get things backwards, don't we? We get things wrong. We get it out of whack. How many of you have heard somebody say, when I get everything corrected in my life, then I'll go to church? <laughs> Do you know what? If you never go to church, you're never going to get anything corrected. <laughs> and a lot of folks think, well, once I get these things worked out, then I'll do something for God. <laughs> God's looking for you to do it now, and he'll help you work those things out. 
What are the consequences for forsaking the Lord? Uh, well, we look in the midst of all of this, we still see the mercy of God. When I look at verse 17, and, and yet they would not hearken unto the judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them, and they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hands of their enemies. Is that not the mercy of God? How many of us have been displayed or demonstrated the mercy of God? He proved himself to us, and then we go back and do the opposite thing. Or we go do the wrong thing after he's already proven himself to us. And in this passage, it says, He delivered them out of the hands of their enemies all the days of the judge, for it repented the Lord. God didn't want to see them in this situation. They were bringing it upon themselves. I used to tell my children all the time, I want you to know everything in the house is yours. You have access to it, the food in the refrigerator, Right? The toys that are in your closet are all yours. You're choosing whether you want them or not by your actions. <laughs> you see, the things that are there for the taking, are they not? I believe that's the God that we serve. And, and it's there for us, and he's there willing to, to work with us and to give all of his love and his mercy and his grace to us. And it's all for the taking, isn't it? And what happens? <laughs> and we walk away from him, and there are consequences for that. God sends messengers, he sends pastors and teachers and evangelists. And then we get to this place where he brings this up. Look at verse 19, their stubborn way. How many of you have ever had a stubborn child? <laughs> just would not do what you wanted them to do. And that stubbornness just really grinds on us, doesn't it? <laughs> and that stubbornness caused things to have to take place inside the relationship that you as a parent probably didn't desire for it to be, but if you didn't follow through on it, it was going to make it rough for them later on in life. When I look at this, people who are persistent in their own ways will come to a time when the judge will bring forth his judgment because sin has been paid for, but when the sinful life is the choice, it will come with a price. And I believe strong-willed sinners will often continue down their own paths. Now, whether that person's saved or unsaved, strong-willed people are going to take their own path, and it's going to create hardships for them a lot of times. And you see these consequences for forsaking the Lord, but you come to these people that are stubborn. That word stubborn means from or out of, not willing to turn from their actions, but continue on the same path. How many of you have had a child that's just so stubborn, and you tell them no, and they keep on doing it? Now, maybe you didn't have the four kids that I had, but the four kids that I had, sometimes you'd tell them no, and they would go and do it just in spite of the fact that you told them not to do it. And the thing of it is, is they became stubborn. How many of you have ever dealt with a stubborn child? God's talking about when they forsook God, they were stubborn in their way. They wanted to do their own thing their own way. And that's what created that environment. And this is a situation that the moment the pressure is removed, a person or a people return right back to their old ways. You say, preacher, that's only Old Testament. No, it's not. <laughs> I want to show you something. Go to 2 Peter. Keep your finger there, judges. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. I want you to look at a verse with me real quick. So this word stubborn means from out of or not willing to turn from their actions, but continue on the same path. And what happens is, it clearly teaches us, God brought a judge, lifted the pressure from them, and what did they do? They turned right back to their old ways. 
I want you to look at 2 Peter 2, 22. 2 Peter 2, 22. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned unto his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the what? Mire. They turn right back to their own way. And I, I know I've shared this from this pulpit many a time. I, the most disgusting thing I've ever seen was watch a dog throw up and then eat it. That's what he's talking about. And he's saying, you as a Christian, once you've come out from among that, why would you return back into that? God's telling the nation of Israel the same thing. And God's anger was hot against Israel because what happened was they were just stubborn. What we see in 2 Peter 2.22 is a stubborn person, isn't it? You've been removed from the pollutions of the world. <laughs> You've been given a new lease on life. You've been given something that the world doesn't have. And then why do you want to go back to it? And that's what God's telling the nation of Israel. The stubborn ways of people lead them again to follow ungodly lies. They go a-whoring, bowing to other gods, turning quickly away. And the death of the judge led the people to corrupting themselves. <laughs> and they go a-whoring after other gods. Listen, when you leave out of church on Sunday... You shouldn't leave out of here with the thought of, I'm going to go whoring after other gods. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? Well, listen, we can chase down a lot of things Monday through Friday. <laughs> a lot of things get our attention Monday through Friday, and maybe on Wednesday night you take a break from that and you come into the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night, but the thing of it is, is we ought to be chasing down God every day. <laughs> we ought to be going after him. He says, draw nigh unto me, and I will what? Draw nigh unto you. Listen, you draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. By the way, that's a promise for us in the New Testament in the book of James, is it not? Draw nigh unto God, and I will draw nigh unto you. He will draw close to you if you draw close to him. Now let me challenge you with something. What led the, uh, to these actions is the fact that they ceased uh, not from their own doing. They transgressed the covenant, and they would not hearken unto the voice of God. They wouldn't listen to God, they turned their own way, and they did it quickly. <laughs> By the way, it doesn't take long. When you start becoming absent from church and absent from the preaching and absent from praying and absent from reading the Word of God, it doesn't take long to head down the wrong path. It'll happen fast. Because you'll be persuaded by the ways of the world like really quick. But let me tell you what it says in Isaiah. He challenged the nation of Israel in the book of Isaiah again. In Isaiah 58, 13, he said, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy own pleasure on my holy day... We have more people doing what they want to do on their holy day than any other thing. They're going to do their own thing. And so it says here, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath from doing thy own pleasure on the holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor not doing thy days, nor own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. God says Sunday is set aside for him. That's his day. And, and what we ought to do is we ought to rally around our Savior at least that one day out of the week. Think about how many days he gives you. You say, no, i got to go to work. <laughs> but Monday through Friday through Saturday, you got your own thing, if you will. He says, when it comes to my day, I need you here. I want you to hear my word. Don't turn away from that. Don't turn your foot away from that. Stay with it. And a stubborn person, even a stubborn Christian, we'll find that the Lord allows tests to enter into their lives when they turn away to their own pleasures. Tests of life are going to come, and so what are you going to do in the midst of it all? Well, you see, if you're stubborn, God says, there's consequences for forsaking me. And if you're going to be stubborn, he says right here, 
I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. All the enemies started to come in, didn't they? All of the enemies started to come in. And so what are the enemies today? Well, finances and needs and uh, cars and clothes and all these things that we think that we have need of, right? <laughs> and then all these pressures start to enter in. And I'm not getting enough hours at work now. Or I'm not making enough money, so I'm going to have to leave the house of God to go get a second job. <laughs> and so we start to make poor decisions. We start to move away from God rather than draw closer to Him in those situations. So we must be willing to teach another generation to rise up behind us and to know the Lord. God is a loving God. He's a God of grace. But God says also, there's coming a day of judgment. Amen. And so what have you done with so great a salvation that he's given unto you? He did some wonderful things for the nation of Israel. What did they do? They turned their back on God. Lastly, this, the test from God. Look at verses 22 and 23. That through them I may prove Israel. You want to underline that in your Bible, that I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Now, when I read that, I thought, man, <laughs> am I willing to keep it or not? And boy, that just started resonating in my mind. Keep it or not. And the thing of it is, is that most of us drift away, don't we? And it's not just a quick turn a lot of times, but it's a slowing, drifting away. Just a few weeks ago, I preached a message on progression of sin from James, and the point was that uh, God does prove us at times. He tests us. He allows us to go through some things to see if we're going to keep the faith. To tempt is to entice here, and uh, God never entices anyone to do evil. God never entices anyone to do evil, but he proved Israel. Uh, what he did was he tested Israel to see if they were going to keep his law or not, if they were going to keep what was supposed to happen or not, and, and, and God tested them. And he'll allow us to be tested or proved that he can demonstrate how faithful you are. Because God is faithful, is he not? And what he's doing sometimes when we're being tested, he's testing our faith. And if our, our faith never be tested and never be tried, how good is it? But when it's tested, when it's tried from God, he's looking to do something in our lives. God refers back to a time when the Israelites under the rule of Joshua kept the way of the Lord and walked in the ways of God. And the test for another generation is, will they keep it or not? And so the challenge to us tonight isn't really another generation. It's about us. Are we willing to keep it or not? Are we really, really willing to talk about God and to, to get his word out? The test for another generation is will they keep it or not? And it's us to keep it would bring the blessings of God as it's found in Isaiah. Listen to this in Isaiah 58, 14. He says, if you, if you don't turn away from God, if you don't, go and delight in your own ways on the Sabbath day, if you don't go do the things that you want to do, if you don't go speak the words that you want to speak, if you don't go and fulfill your desires, here's what he says next about that. He said, if you don't do that, here's what I'll do. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. <laughs> and he says, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. How many of you like to ride upon the high places? You ever been there? It's been good at times, hasn't it? Have you ever had the good times in your life? You think, man, this is great. <laughs> Things are going great. I think I'll leave church, leave God, leave my Bible, leave praying, leave and all that stuff, man, because I don't need any of that stuff now. I got it made. And we're riding the high places. God has to bring us low sometimes to bring us back to the place where we realize we need God, and he's the one that allows us to ride up on the high places. Amen? 
And the thing is, in Isaiah, he's telling them, he said, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. He said, don't worry about stuff. I'll take care of you. And by the way, that God that we're speaking of there in Isaiah is the same God we serve today. <laughs> He'll take care of us. And God shall supply all your need. Not needs. He will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Isn't that what the Bible says? God will take care of us. And the thing of it is, is we allow ourselves to get distracted by the ways of the world. And preacher, you don't understand. Preacher, you don't know. Hey, listen, preacher worked at one time. Preacher sat where you sat. Preacher sat in your seat. Preacher worked a secular job. Preacher did all of those things. And you say, preacher, you just don't understand. No, I do, but I understand this. Obeying the Lord is better than sacrifice. Amen? I understand that doing the things that God's called us to do is better than doing things my own way. Doing things my own way causes heartache and hardship. But to forsake the ways of the Lord and turn from God, it'll lead the enemy in play to continually attest you until you pass the test, I think. And it'll happen. And the test will keep coming. And they'll keep coming. And they'll keep coming. And the thing of it is, is that you can't pass the test if you're not going to do it God's way. You got to do it God's way. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 through 15. I know you know these verses, but it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with that temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And then he goes on to say this, Wherefore, my, my dearly beloved, flee idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. Think about this for a minute is what he's saying. Let that ponder in your mind for just a moment about what he's talking about. We're all tempted, but God is faithful. We're all tempted and things enter into our lives, but God is faithful. We're all tempted, but God will never let it get any higher than, uh, than we can find a way to escape out of it. Listen, that is the promise of God. He said, think about what I just told you. When he said, judge what I say, think about what I'm telling you. And the thing of it is, is we get so stubborn. And that's what the nation of Israel did. And they become stubborn and they forgot the consequences of forsaking God. And here's the thing, we as a church body need to help get this message out to a lost and dying world. The test is never greater than they can handle. Our test is not greater than we can handle. It's a choice. It really is. And we choose what we're going to do. Joshua left another generation with a charge. How many of you remember this? This is hanging in my house. I love this. It's hanging right over the door uh, at my house. And it says this. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Don't let that be a lie if it's hanging in your home. <laughs> let it be the truth. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My service to God is not dependent upon what you do and what you don't do. My service to the Lord is dependent upon my relationship with God. Amen. My service to the Lord is not what you do or decide to do or decide not to do. My service is about my service with God. And what Joshua was telling the people is, is for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua did all the days of his life. And the generation that outlived him did also. Now the people under Joshua responded. Here's what they said. 
We always know uh, Joshua here, 24, 15, 24, 16 says this. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. God forbid that we would do this thing. And the people said, put that thought to death. Don't think that way. Put that thought to death. It would be a shame if we ever did that. And we come to another generation. And what did he say? They went a-whoring after other gods, didn't they? And they went to chase them down. So the people under Joshua responded with a good response, but the action didn't follow. So what then is the answer to God for another generation? You know, when you go back and you read Genesis, and I think about this all the time, and the Lord said unto Cain, Where is, I, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. And we need to chase down our brothers and sisters of Christ. We need to exhort them and encourage them to be in the house of the Lord. We ought to do everything we can to tell them, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need to do all of that. Am I my brother's keeper? What's the answer? Yes, I am. I need to go after them. I need to tell them. I need to chase them down. I need to let them know. Isaiah 58, 12. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the paths that dwell in. So here's the challenge tonight, folks. We must be willing to teach another generation to rise up behind us to know God. This Victory Gospel Crusade that's coming up, uh, we have men that are praying every Thursday. Every Thursday we're getting together to pray. Brother Dwight just sent me a text. He said, Brother Warnick, would you bring a charge on Saturday to the people about praying? And we need a season of prayer. And we've got a season of prayer going on. We started last year praying every Thursday. Every Thursday we as pastors meet. And, and we're on the phone or we're meeting face-to-face -face every Thursday. <laughs> and what are we doing? We're praying for people to come to Christ. We're praying for revival to happen in our nation. We're praying that our churches get back to really preaching and teaching the truth. Fewer, less seminars and a little more preaching. Amen. <laughs> A little more preaching of the Word of God. This Victory Gospel Crusade on the Saturday, the 7th, we're going to get together and you say, well, preach, I, I can't really sing. That's okay. If you don't want to sing, don't go to the choir meeting. If you want to pray, go pray with us. The only way this nation is going to change, folks, is if we start praying. And we need prayer. That's going to be March 7th at 3 o'clock up at Salina Baptist Temple. We're going to start praying together. And we want to try to involve as many of the churches and church families as possible to start getting involved in these prayer meetings now. We've got print material that's going to be printed and everything else. The goal of this is not just to get people seated in our auditoriums. The goal of this is to win the loss with the gospel. Amen? And this isn't in the days of Billy Graham where a lot of people, you know, made professions of faith and nobody went to church. <laughs> and folks, I'm not being beating him down. He was a good man. But the fact is, is a lot of those people left those meetings and never went to church. They never got discipled. My prayer is, is not only do we win them to the Lord, but we get them in the house of God and they become disciples. Disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm praying that God would help us in this Victory Gospel Crusade. That our church would be involved in that. That as many of you as can, it's going to be for three weeks. I know you can't maybe make it to all the meetings, but make it to as many meetings as you possibly can. We're going to go out during the day. We're going to be doing door knocking as preachers. We're going to be going out every day of the meetings and we're going to be praying together. We're going to be knocking on doors every day. Every day, just trying to reach people with the gospel. 
And if all the churches, if the masses of churches would get involved, what could God do with that? And I just want to challenge our church to be involved. And you can give to it financially. We're trying to raise money. Our church is the one that's hosting and holding the monies for that. I think we got about $4,000 in there right now. Uh, so right around that amount of money, each of the churches are giving money toward it. Paul Crow, Brother uh, Dwight, he's raising money. Brother Paul's raising money. Uh, Brother Larry's raising money. Uh, we have other churches. I have churches in Virginia that are ready to give money to the meeting. I mean, it's exciting. And listen, you get to be a part of it. But it starts by praying and asking God to help us as a church body to get involved in this thing. Folks, it's going to be an exciting time. I hope that you decide to be there. I hope that you decide to get involved. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is if you miss out on it, it's a shame because I believe God wants revival to come to Midwestern Ohio. That's how this all started. Started on a phone call and a prayer time. And God began to work, and now it's manifested itself into this. We're getting banners made. We're going to put them on our buses. We're going to park them around in different locations. They're talking about maybe doing some radio ads and some different things like that just to get the word out. Got the locations, getting those nailed down and all that wonderful stuff. And I mean, it's exciting. And you say, preacher, why are you doing this? Another generation. Another generation. And we don't want them growing up not knowing God. 